Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to Series 3, Episode 5 of From Page to Practice. Today we're focusing on Sam Strickland's Education Exposed 2. Back in Series 1 we covered the first Education Exposed book so do make sure to check that out. It's Episode 15 from May 2020. Sam has once again agreed to contribute, so let's hear from him first of all. My name is Sam Strickland, and I'm the author of Education Exposed 2, In Pursuit of the Halcyon Dream. And this book is relevant for anyone working in a school, irrespective of their position or indeed their role. And it's designed to be an accessible, versatile and hopefully a quick, punchy read. Um, I would argue in many regards that it can also be used as kind of a dip in and dip out guide. And I deliberately entitled this book um, In Pursuit of the House in Dream because we're actually trying to focus in on what it is to be a class teacher and why did we all become teachers in the first place? You know, what drove us to become a teacher? The book is neatly laid out into a series of sections with an introduction. Section one focuses solely on the housing dream and what this is in greater depth and detail than my very short kind of pricey uh, that I've just given to you. The second section of the book really unpacks and unpicks why the curriculum is God. And there are three chapters here focusing on the purpose and positioning and place of knowledge, uh, the role of curricular theory and the the role that curricular theory can uh, play in underpinning much of our own thinking in terms of how we're going to build, to sequence and to piece together our curriculum design. And then the fourth section focuses in on actually how we plan. I've entitled this this chapter, Prior Planning Prevents Poor Performance, but it's thinking about the underpinning approaches to planning a curriculum so we don't fall foul in real time when we're actually delivering to the children in front of us. The third section of the book is entitled Behaviour, Kryptonite or the Ace in the Hole. And there are three chapters, again, that that underpin this particular section of the book. Chapter five focuses on something called They Behave For Me, uh, a really kind of cliched statement that some members of staff will give in staff rooms. Uh, But this this chapter actually focuses on how we can liberate teachers so they can teach. So it's about how do we arm and equip uh, teaching staff with the confidence and the repertoire of knowledge in terms of dealing with day-to-day behavioural issues. And I build on this in chapter six, which is entitled The Class Teacher as the Architect of Behaviour. And there's a real focus here on knowing what you want, 
on the use of routines and how we define routines, the number of warnings that we'll give to our uh, to the children that we serve and teach, and and a raft of really simple, really straightforward strategies with which to engage pupils, but also to correct and to reprimand where appropriate, where applicable, their their behaviour. But it's all about, uh, in terms of this chapter, um, your own personal confidence in terms of being the architect of behaviour and learning within your classroom setting. And then the uh, seventh chapter, um, which underpins this section of the book, focuses in on curriculum tools and it's a, this section really hones in on how do we try and make the knowledge stick in our pupils. So it's focusing on uh, the use of vocabulary, the use of fully articulated sentences, of getting everybody to answer, of how we model and scaffold and use and utilise retrieval practice uh, to try and engage our pupils and again to get the knowledge to stick and how we can utilise reading and knowledge organisers as clear tools to ensure that knowledge sticks in our lessons. And the final section of the book, section four, is underpinned by one chapter, and that's entitled, Is Leadership Really a Race? And for me, this is really kind of tipping the hat towards leaders uh, who this book is also absolutely appropriate and applicable to, but it's actually the role that leaders can play to ensure that the halcyon dream, that ability for uh, teachers to teach, which is actually where all the magic happens within our classrooms, uh, this chapter focuses in on how leaders can allow that halcyon dream to be a living, breathing reality. Every single chapter of the book commences with a series of common misconceptions. Uh, each chapter is normally underpinned by five key misconceptions and then five concluding thoughts that bring any given chapter together. And the book is, in, in terms of format and style, it's very similar to uh, my first book, Education Exposed. Um, it's a similarish length. It's just under uh, 100 pages in, in length. And in many regards, I would argue that it provides a punchy and forthright critique overall in terms of how to drive the curriculum, how to drive behaviour and how to drive teaching in a school and the pivotal role ultimately that leadership plays in allowing the pursuit of the house in dream. This book is also underpinned by theory uh, and my own personal uh, experiences uh, as a professional who's worked in this game for a very long time uh, and having worked at every leadership level uh, that's imaginable in virtually every kind of, of school imaginable, I've tried to pull together um, the raft of my expertise but, but entwined that uh, with educational theory that I think is appropriate and applicable to give you hopefully a very, very clear very pithy but very um, powerfully succinct and powerfully simple read that will help you either as a classroom teacher, as a middle leader, as a senior leader, as a head teacher or a principal or indeed as an executive leader and I hope you enjoy reading the book. Thank you. 
you're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Today we have three reader contributions of really varied lengths, so we'll start with the shortest and build from there. Here's Cameron. Hi, I'm Cameron Setter at Cam underscore Setter on Twitter. I am second in maths at a secondary school in Plymouth. I really enjoyed Education Exposed 2. It's a short, concise book that is packed with useful takeaways. The part I want to talk about here, though, is around the curriculum. So Strickland talks about considering the endpoints that you want students to reach and the underpinning ideas that link and connect to future knowledge. He also later in the book talks about being an outward-facing leader and stealing ideas from other schools and iterating and improving them for your own context. So in maths, we looked at the content we wanted students to know by the end of Key Stage 3. Um, We felt that students were getting to some of the trickier GCSE content with gaps in knowledge that held them back. So we wanted to fix these issues in Year 7 and 8 early doors. So we changed our Key Stage 3 curriculum to focus just on number in Year 7 and algebra in Year 8. We looked at some similar schools in similar contexts that have been successful and found Michaela Community School to do this, so copied some of their ideas. Now we have a real push on deepening the understanding in Key Stage 3 so that in the future years, this knowledge isn't the part that's holding them back. They're able to fluently use it to access more difficult content in Key Stage 4. Our department has then realised that if we nail these topics early on, it will make teaching future content much, much easier. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Cameron. Next, we're going to hear from Emma. Hello there, my name's Emma Turner. I tweet as Emma underscore Turner 75 and today I wanted to talk about Education Exposed 2 by Sam Strickland. I currently work as a research and CPD lead for a MAT that's based in Leicestershire and in that role I have to read scores of education books. I was absolutely delighted when this one landed um, on my doormat at home because the first thing I noticed about it was that it was absolutely beautifully slim, slick, clear and precise account of so many important aspects of education. There is absolutely no waste in this book. Every single page is an absolute winner. Um, He focuses on some of the real key aspects of things that staff at all levels need to be aware of, who need to understand and need to be able to apply in their practice. The focus section on skills and knowledge is one that I keep coming back to to share with my cohorts. The way that Sam articulates the difference between knowledge and skill, the link between them um, and how this can be applied across every single subject is absolutely beautiful. Um, So many people get into such a ravel with the difference between knowledge and skill and how we should talk about them. And the way Sam articulates it is absolutely beautiful. The section on leadership as well, you can tell that Sam is drawing from a huge range of experiences in multiple settings. This book isn't about sort of (laughs) your greatest leadership anecdotes. This is drawn from a real career spanning multiple settings, multiple age groups. And I know that now he works in an all through school. So it's applicable to kind of the full bandwidth of provision right from early years to post 16. Um, I think that the the real 
kind of winning element of this book is that it's not based on sort of endless narratives about this is what I have done and this is what I could have done. Neither, although it's research-informed, is it just a series of quotes from research. It's actually gone through that filter of experience and, <laughs> and you can see the wisdom jumping off every page. Um, the leadership section is absolutely brilliant and it points out the role around sort of or the focus on the clarity needed to lead really well, that culture has to be central, that the leader has to know exactly where the school is going, what they stand for, who they are, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are. Um, because if you don't have that clarity around leadership, you can't possibly lead anything. And I think that it's very, very easy within education to get seduced by lots of sort of big words and big concepts. And actually what Sam does is take those big words and big concepts and put them back into sort of the common sense experience of this is how you actually lead a school. So the leadership section is one that I reference again and again with my cohorts of middle leaders when I work with them. The clarity with which Sam talks around curriculum is hugely refreshing. Um, there is so much talked about around curriculum and you can feel like you're falling down a massive kind of wormhole of, uh, of, of words, basically. The way Sam articulates what curriculum should do, what it should be, how you should organise it, how you should think about it, questions to consider is an absolute masterclass in actually understanding the purpose of, of a curriculum and how you would organise it um, and revisit it and ensure that it's actually working for your school and serving your pupils and your communities. You can tell from the references that Sam makes that this isn't just um, here is my story of me being a leader but actually it really is underpinned by really academic sort of rigorous reading around it. Um, and it's a real triumph and a tour de force because he manages to pack all of that into a really, really slim volume. And I would totally recommend anybody reading both his original book, Education Exposed, but also Education Exposed 2. Because for a time-poor profession, if you're looking for enormous bang for your buck, um, both of these books uh, will serve you absolutely brilliantly, whether you are a middle leader whether you're a senior leader, whether you're already in headship, already in leadership roles, it feels like Sam takes you by the hand and walks you through some really difficult, potentially thorny concepts um, and reassures you all, all the way through the book that this is immensely doable if you have that real clarity of focus on what really matters, what you really stand for. Um, and how to support teachers to actually do their core job, which is to teach. So I would thoroughly recommend both Education Exposed 1, but definitely Education Exposed 2. It is the most reassuring, practical and brilliant book that I've read in terms of an overview of leadership. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Emma. And our final contribution today is from Ian. Hello, my name's Ian Shaw. I'm an English teacher and also director of learning at an all-through school in Warwickshire. I tweet, comment and occasionally rant at Mr IG Shaw. So we're happy to hear from people via that route. Um, I was originally introduced to Education Exposed, Sam Strickland's first book, by an ex-colleague and friend of mine who suggested that I may well enjoy it. 
and he was right um that book outlines sam's views and and founding principles and values i suppose on all things uh, education based um the second book in pursuit of the halcyon dream builds on these and has a particular focus on the areas of curriculum behavior and leadership one of the things i found really refreshing about both books is the emphasis on simplicity that that runs through them both sam is particularly good at cutting through the tosh and that's that's a word he uses regularly and i think probably should be used more often by head teachers and senior leaders but he is particularly good at cutting through the the tosh and focusing on the core aims of education and in particular having one core aim during each school year which receives full commitment from him from his leadership team from his staff and is then revisited and recommunicated to all stakeholders on a regular basis i've been lucky enough to uh, to watch sam present at research ed um, and also to go and visit the Dustin school um, just outside Northampton a couple of weeks ago um, along with my deputy head and um, the director of primary education from from our school so as well as uh, commenting and, and looking at the three areas curriculum behavior and leadership that Sam covers during this book um, and adding some of some of my own reflections um, to these I'd also like to try and include some ideas about about how uh, how these are actually played out in real life if you like what I actually saw when I walked around when I walked around Dustin so to start with the idea of uh, curriculum that is obviously something very close to Sam's Sam's heart and actually is 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 the way that I I um, first really made contact with Sam about going to uh, about going to visit Dustin because it's an area that we're focusing on quite heavily as a school as well. Um, the way that Sam approaches it is there is a really clear balance between the the academic research side so. Um, Sam talks quite regularly about about the fact that he um, he was tutored by Christian Council during his PGCE years. There are explicit references to Daniel Willingham. Um, there are um, explicit references to the Marge model. Um, there are both explicit and implicit references to Rosenshine that run throughout uh, throughout the whole book, really, but especially on the areas of curriculum. But this doesn't this doesn't become an academic text it's very much balanced with what this actually means in the classroom uh, and how these how these ideas how these theories can actually be put in place there is a real knowledge there is a real emphasis on knowledge and on the building of knowledge and there are real examples included here i think one of the examples that sam uses is from his own history teaching where he talks about the cuban missile crisis so as as well as as well as there being discussion on the building of subject knowledge and the deepening of subject knowledge there are real examples of actually how that subject knowledge can be built up when uh, when actually te teaching students 
he's also uh, he's also very very keen on this on the idea of the of the teacher being the expert in the room, um, which again is a phrase that I've heard from from various other people at various other presentations. Um, it's one that Helena Brothwell from from the David Ross Trust uses um, quite often also. Um, and he's very much of a supporter of that, basically allowing teachers to be those experts, encouraging teachers to be those experts um, and, uh, and, and allowing them to actually teach the subjects that they have the enthusiasm for. Now, when I actually went to Dustin um, and, and had a look around and, and talked to some of the, the rest of the leadership team there, what you can really see is this sense of a structure that supports the curriculum. Um, so when you actually, you know, there are examples that you're given and when you walk around this, the school, you'll see that, that the vast amount, the vast majority of work is done in workbooks. Those are all carefully curated and carefully planned to ensure that there is a clear building of knowledge through the journey that, that, that students go on. Um, those, those workbooks, those units of work, if you like, are also... Um, are also curated by um, curated within department teams. So it's not a case that one person goes away and designs a scheme of work, or even worse, that each teacher is redesigning a scheme of work. There is very much the feeling that that these these units of work, these schemes of work, have been designed by departments uh, departments as a whole, and therefore there's a sense of buy-in, there's a sense of commitment, there's a sense of belief that comes from the teachers who are actually delivering them. In terms of what I've then and we've then brought back into our school, first is that it's it, these ideas have actually really helped to inform how we're going about our curriculum review. Um, so we're, we're probably, largely thanks to COVID, um, a, a little bit behind where we'd ideally like to be and certainly where Dustin are in terms of, in terms of reviewing, evaluating and designing our curriculum. But we've, what we have been able to do is actually use, use some of the ideas in Sam's book and some of the ideas from Dustin really to try and peel away, uh, and begin to peel away anyway, some of the uh, some of the biases, some of the the preconceptions, some of the prejudices around subjects and curriculum, and really focus in on the core questions of what is it that students need to know, um, what do they need to know in order to access that information, where is that knowledge um, leading us on to? It's also prompted me um, as as director of learning at the school to, to devolve much more of our CPD time to individual subjects so that they can be that that time can be used by heads of department um, and by individual teachers to develop and deepen their subject subject knowledge. A lot of this has to start with individual teachers being very honest about what their strengths are and what areas of the curriculum they need to develop in. So again, there's, there's, it's been a lot more about actually giving departments the time to talk to each other, to establish within the department where are the strengths, um, and also then to look at where are the best places to actually develop, uh, develop further skills. 
The final thing it's also given given me really is this idea of the curriculum as something much wider than being subject specific. Um, so we're now starting to have much more conversations in school around the pastoral curriculum as a whole, but even as well as, as the curriculum being the real experience that a student has from the minute they walk through the door at, at 20 past half past eight in the morning, their experiences through the canteen, through break time, in the corridors, right through any extracurricular activities that they're doing, right the way through to um, what happens when they leave at quarter past 20 past three in the afternoon or afterwards if they are staying after school, whether that be uh, at the, shall we say, request of a teacher or maybe at their own instigation because they're involved in some sort of extracurricular activities as well. So next we move on to the area of behaviour and this was this was this was one that I found really, really fascinating. Um, Sam talks a great deal about the need to the need to to train both staff and students on on behaviour, almost treating behaviour as if it were another subject in the curriculum. And Interestingly, on interestingly, beside that, he actually emphasises the real importance of of culture and of values as a tool to manage behaviour. Um, this was something that I I found quite surprising actually when I went to visit Dustin. Um, I'd read the book. Um, I'd also seen uh, presentations by people like Barry Smith. Um, and had obviously seen the reports of places like Michaela and, and had had this this um, this quite damning image that I was about to go and visit a school where uh, which was incredibly dictatorial, almost military in its uh, in its outlook with with students lining up in in boy girl lines outside classrooms, silent corridors, good walking, all of that kind of thing. And I was really, really very pleasantly surprised. There is a very, very clear sense of structure. There is a very clear sense of what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable, that runs right throughout the whole school. But what I really felt from walking around Dustin, and this starts with Sam and goes right the way through everybody, all the other stuff that you meet there, is that there genuinely is this this warm, strict idea in place. So students know exactly what is expected of them. They have been educated, trained, reminded, they have practiced, they've, they've done retrieval on expectations of behavior, what they should and shouldn't be doing, so that there is a sense of it almost working automatically. But there is also a real sense of warmth and care that comes alongside that. Um, and that's one of the key things that I've taken when I've gone back to uh, when I've gone back to my own school is that idea that actually you can still be um, nice and caring, even when you are redirecting students um, and and the whole idea of actually seeing behaviour as something else that I as a leader within a school teach as opposed to something that I enforce. The third point that, that, is, uh, that, that is focused on in the book is the idea of, of leadership. 
Um, and obviously Sam is um, Sam has a, has his own very strong and very clear set of values and priorities and that's where he really starts from in the book and also actually when you when you meet him or when you see his presentations he emphasizes that actually in order to be an effective leader you have to know yourself you have to know your own values you have to know your own priorities and you have to be prepared to stand by those know where your own red lines are but he also tempers that with knowing your own school. Um, you have to know the context, you have to know the students, you have to know the staff, you have to know the wider community in order to know what what you can do, what's going to work most effectively, um, where you might find some resistance. Um, but also alongside that is that sense of of visibility you have to once you've established and once you know yourself and your own priorities you go out and you live those one of the things that that really struck me again when funnily enough this was right at the end of the day um sam talks quite often about the fact that he's he's almost obsessed about um about shirts being tucked in um, and the fact that he says, you know, as the head teacher of the school, he uses this phrase, you, um, you permit, you, you, you promote what you permit and you permit what you promote. So his view is that as head teacher of the school, if I walk past a student whose shirt is untucked, I am basically sending a message out to all of the other students and all of the other staff in the school that that rule is not important. Um, and, and I kind of listened to this and thought, yeah, okay, fine. I get it. As we were leaving at the end of our visit, um, Sam was leading us out into reception and there were three boys who walked down the stairs. I would imagine they were probably year 10 or year 11. And there were three boys who walked down the stairs right past us. And for just that split second, I actually caught Sam looking them up and down to make sure that the shirts were tucked in so that if necessary, he was prepared, even at that point, with a group of 10, 11, 12 senior leaders from other schools up and down the country, to stop and talk to those students, redirect those students if necessary. Also under the leadership section, Sam talks quite a lot about communication um, and about communicating as much as you possibly can with all of the stakeholders that are involved with the school. Um, he 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 talks about email and again this is something that that we've now brought back to our school we're now looking and 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 considering and discussing how we can make communication within our school more effective how we can reduce the burden on email the reliance on email um, and make it so that email works for us as opposed to being something that we're uh, that we're almost restricted uh, restricted by the final point as well he talks about with in terms of leadership and and this is this really resonates for me as a senior leader within a school is remember what it's like to be a full-time teacher remember what it's like to actually be teaching 44 45 46 out of 50 periods across a fortnight um, remember what it's like to have one class walking out as the next class walks in Remember what it's like to be doing those reports, doing those progress reviews, those data drops, doing those parents evenings. And what that's what that's really meant for me is that now I I almost have um, I almost have my own mantra now when we're in leadership meetings about asking, you know, when we're talking about an idea, 
what's the expected impact that that's going to have on student in student outcomes? Is it going to have a positive impact on student outcomes? Is it going to have a positive impact on the student experience? Is it going to have any impact on staff workload? And if it is, what what can we get rid of instead? Or is it worth it? Do the, do the, does the impact on student outcomes and student experience outweigh whatever the impact on staff workload might be? Um, I suppose to kind of sum up the whole thing again, what what I get from from both of the books and also from the presentations that I've seen and also the experience of visiting Dustin is that there is a lot of really straightforward common sense that that comes through. Some of it, a lot of it, I agree with. Uh, some of it, I I I I still have some questions about. Um, but I think the overall message is there's a lot of common sense in there. Um, Sam himself is very is very welcoming. So it's it's a it's a very, very simple, straightforward uh, book to read. It's well worth a read. Uh, once you've read it, get in touch with Sam. Um, go and go and have a look around Dustin, see it work in real life and then look at adapting it to your own context as well listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast thank you to sam cameron emma and ian for your contributions to the podcast today it's really appreciated the next episode of from page to practice will come in two weeks time and we'll focus on jennifer webb's the metacognition handbook as always, I'm on the lookout for people who've read this book and are willing to share how they've applied it to their practice. So please do get in touch. The episodes just can't happen without the voice of the reader. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews apparently really help the algorithm that helps get the podcast to more people. Besides that, you can share with colleagues and tag at pagepracticepod on Twitter, at pagepracticepodcast on Instagram or from page to practice on Facebook. Finally, there's always my coffee link at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPTP pod. Thanks and see you soon. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag page practice podcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast thanks go to kevin mcleod of incomtech.com for use of the tracks cheery monday and fuzzball parade which are licensed under creative commons <laughs>